Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show, episode 268. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, episode 9, Whose Show Is This? Directed by Kat Coiro, written by Jessica Gao, who created the series for television, and She-Hulk, Attorney at Law is a knowledge-enhanced visual inter- interconnectivity nexus production. Before the show begins, let's talk about Fan Show Plus once again. So Fanshow Plus is the podcast that is exclusive to premium subscribers at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts if you search for the MCU Fanshow channel or Fanshow Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can find it there and subscribe and hear us talk about extra MCU topics, including a lot of news and even some big rumors that are swirling around the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So make sure you check that out and then follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fanshow on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to share their review. And now, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? Man, I am doing well. It's... uh... It's just it's crazy this all the great stuff we've gotten this month with um, MCU and what's coming out. It's just every time I'm like, man, it's it, things are gonna slow down, and, <clears throat> and then I'm like, nope, not slowing down. Just keep going. It's it's just, it's just a steady, steady train that is the MCU, which I that's why that's why I love it so much. It's it's steady and consistent. So I'm just yeah, just a, a fat and happy uh, MCU fan right now. Yeah, exactly. Love it so much, and there is so much to love right now with so many things going on. And I guess that brings up the topic of Werewolf by Night. I know a lot of you are probably wondering, where is that spoiler review, which you are right to wonder, right to question. We're going to go ahead and we're going to save that for next week, since we are now, after the conclusion of this episode, uh, fresh out of She-Hulk Attorney at Lost Spoiler Reviews to do. So we're going to save Werewolf by Night for next week and do a deep dive into that. And very much looking forward to podcasting about it. Um, I will spoil that uh, Paul and I are both big fans of Werewolf by Night because pretty much everybody is, and for good reason. As they should be. Yeah, exactly. We will elaborate on all of those uh, wonderful feelings that we have about Werewolf by Night and uh, particularly Man-Thing next week. So you have that to look forward to. But for this episode, we are going to finish up our series of spoiler reviews for She-Hulk attorney at law. And I have been, well, for the past few days, very much looking forward to recording this review because I do not know anything, Paul, as far as what you think of this episode. I have no idea. And also, like, you and I haven't texted about it. I haven't even Mm -hmm. tweeted about it. I guess if you're on the Discord, you got some of my thoughts uh, on the She-Hulk finale, uh, which you can find patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. So uh, you can check that out, but uh, you will also get my very detailed, nuanced takes on this She-Hulk finale uh, in this episode of the podcast. But yeah, I've seen uh, all the reactions around the internet, and most of it, besides the places where you just normally see a lot of hate on this series, which you know there was no shock that that would continue for the finale, but amongst the places where people have been liking the show, or even just been lukewarm on the show, but at least leaning positive. Uh, I've seen a lot, uh, a lot of love for this finale. And that sounds like a long windup and preamble for me to say I hated it. 
but uh, I did not. I loved a lot of this finale, especially a lot of the things that everybody else loves about this finale. But for me, Mm -mm. it feels incomplete. Hmm. And I will uh, I will be happy to or me. I don't know. I don't know what emotion I feel, <laughs> but yeah, happy enough That's interesting. To, uh, to talk about that. And I will explain what I mean by that as the show goes on. But first, Paul, I will throw it to you because this will be the first time our listeners and me uh, will have a chance oh. to hear what you thought of this finale. I don't know if you did you put out one of your vague tweets? I didn't see it. I've been uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been in a work vacuum like all week sure. and ha- only sure. had enough time to watch the show. Well, I guess I saw some of the uh, some of the other reactions to it, uh, but I haven't seen anything uh, from from you about it. What did you think of this finale? Well, I, yeah, I tw- uh, usually I try to be a little more vague, but this one was a little more I felt appropriate just to kind of just go, LOL. Wow. Um, they first of all. I don't, I don't even know where to begin on this, man. I mean, honestly, it's kind of, a, you kind of shocked me a little bit by how you, you kind of summed it up uh, a, pretty well, um, to be honest, because I, but you said something that I thought was perfect, but I don't know if I, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't really fit my description of the show, but I think it's a fair uh, interpretation. I think it's a fair uh, assessment of the show, I should say, of the finale, which was incomplete. I, I, I don't feel that way necessarily, but I totally get it at the same time. Um, I love this episode a lot. Like I, this is where you subvert expectations in the most, the best way the show was meant to be. I think Uh, you've kind of, I really did feel they led up to this point. I, I thought with the whole, a lot of the fourth wall breaking, it felt like they definitely were gradually building towards that. Like they kind of slowly built us into the, uh, fourth, or when I say fourth ball breaking, obviously she broke that up. They did that in the first episode, but it felt like it got a little more intense, a little, a little bit subtly throughout the season. And especially last week's episode with Daredevil, it really got a lot more, I think, uh, heavy into that idea. And then you got into this, it just, it was a lot going on. And I think it, I could see where it could be jarring for a lot of people. Again, if you were expecting a, if you were expecting that whole finale, like we that the Marvel finale that they make fun of, I, that's why I loved it because everyone was expecting what <laughs> what what was happening at the end. I mean, I, we'll get into it, but I mean, when when the when the moment it changes, I went brilliant, brilliant, yes, yes, perfect, because it was different. Um, and we'll get into why and everything, how and. I, I think there's one major criticism, which I don't think will surprise you at all, Sean, at all. But we'll get to that in a bit. Um, I have one major criticism, which I, I will probably go off a little bit on. And I think it'll make you laugh a lot when I do get there eventually. But uh, but yeah, I, I love this episode. I, I thought it was brilliant. Is your criticism that Smug Hulk is way too small compared to Abomination? <laughs> actually, no. But, but actually, he was. <laughs> he was God dang. Why you have to tell me this now? Now I'm just never going to not see that. Um, no, no, no. There was, this was a, a great cap in my opinion to probably after we've seen it now, the completed episode, I think this is definitely the second best series of Marvel besides WandaVision. Um, I think WandaVision is an artistic achievement. I think she Hulk is probably easily for me, the most rewatchable MCU show there out there. I, I would watch that over 
everything, even WandaVision, only because WandaVision is a little bit more, it's dense, a lot more going on emotionally, and it's just, it's not always a feel good time, <laughs> you know? Um, whereas She Hulk is, you kind of put it on and kind of, you know, do your own thing, go on your phone for a minute, you know, and listen to the jokes. And it's just a good energy to it. And I, I really enjoyed the, the, the broadening of the MCU that it did. So, and I think this episode continues that. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I thought it was great. And it, it zagged where, where everyone thought it was going to zig and all that stuff. And yeah, I, I love this episode. I love a lot of the things that everybody else loves about this episode. The reason why I feel like it's incomplete is I feel like after the, you can't even call it a fourth wall break. Like it is a fourth wall shattering, like yeah, yeah. take down the whole studio, soundstage, whatever around it. And, <laughs> you know, walk through that facade into another facade. Cause you know, obviously that's a, a fake fourth wall break, but I love all of that. I love everything and and all of those things. But the reason why I say incomplete, just to give a little more detail on that before we go through the, the beats of the episode, but I feel like the episode should have continued after the fourth wall break. The fourth wall break does a tremendous job of bringing home that point of what the She-Hulk attorney at law finale should not be. But it just begs the question, okay, well, then what is it supposed to be? And once we, once she wins her argument with K-E-V-I-N about what the finale is not supposed to be, the episode is basically over. And so I felt like as much as I love the way Meta can elevate the story, and they've used that very, very well in this show throughout, including in this episode— Meta should elevate the story, but it shouldn't necessarily take the place of the story entirely. And I felt like that's what happened at the very end of this. Had the episode continued after the fourth wall break, I think I would have liked it a lot more, especially as a finale. And so as an individual episode, I love it. As a finale to the series or the season, that's where I don't love it quite as much. I probably would have been a lot happier, Paul, if this had been... Like, if the end of the episode was surprise, the real finale's next week, and there was a surprise 10th episode, and this was a second episode. That'd be amazing. A second to last episode to say, nope, this is not what it's going to be. Stay tuned next week for what it's supposed to be. Then I really would have loved it, you know, provided that the surprise 10th episode was as great as it should be. But... By just saying we're not this, eh, I, I don't know. And there are there's value to it in the way they present it, and I'll get into that and how that feeds into the themes that have been part of the story all along. And so I will give it some credit for being exactly what it is, um, but I do feel like there should have been a story uh, in story that continued uh, beyond that fourth wall break. Uh, but anyway, let's get into it. I loved the intro how could you not love if you're someone like me who uh, i was not around when the show was airing on television but i had vhs tapes of every episode that they released vhs tapes of old recordings whatever i could get my hands on of yes the 1970s bill bixby lou ferrigno incredible hulk series and so to go beat by beat for the intro of that show to open this up was absolutely fantastic. That was perfectly done. Chef's kiss. I was losing my mind for all of that, Paul. So before we even get into the plot of it, that was awesome. The the 70s Hulk uh, intro redo for the purposes of She-Hulk was absolutely fantastic. I flipped for it. And I feel like I'm just going to have to rewatch the start of this episode many, many times. It's so cool. 
That that's a great point. I well, I remember when uh, the trailer came out and they had a scene mm-hmm. from the, you know the, you know whatever, and I remember thinking, oh that that's actually cute. I thought they did it just for the trailer, and I totally forgot all about it. And I and I hadn't watched She Hulk till that Thursday night, and people people were mostly respectful of spoilers. I feel like. Like the people I follow anyway, and I and I and I talk with, they were very respectful. Don't post spoilers usually and things like that. So I didn't hear anything, and I just was very much kind of like, hey, people were very, you know, very. It was it definitely it definitely went a different direction from what I could tell from people were saying. And when I started the episode, I went, holy, all right, it is. It got me right into where I needed to be, and I'm like, okay. They're going the right direction. I like this, you know? And yeah, I loved it. It was a great callback. Like you, Sean, I'm a little bit older than you, but not much, but I didn't, I was not around when it originally aired. I was around for the TV films that came out afterwards though. Oh yeah. Um, We remember those well, but they still had the same openings, I want to say. So, um, but either way, I, you know, I'd watch them online or online on USA network or whatever they'd be on and all the time. And I loved them. And it's one of those things where it just, it's so, like you said, it's chef's kiss. It's perfect. It's, it is exactly what it needed to be. It, I mean, honestly, it kind of helps set you up for, to be, um, the previous week of establishing like what happens and establishing that there is rage within her and like, but in a fun way, if that makes any sense, like there's, it just helps reestablish that she is still like a raging monster inside, but you're still having fun with it. And and playing off what happened the previous week, I thought pretty well. It's just, it was really a, a good, a great creative choice. And with a show like She Hulk, you can do stuff like this, and that's what the great versatility of the character and the uh, her uh, mythos, if you will, that you can you can bring with the character. So yeah, this was another great kind of a great introduction that I had totally forgotten that that they had shot scenes for, and I was it was a great surprise. I'm glad they saved it for the last episode. Yeah, I think it was a nice touch to just start off. Well, it also lends itself very much to the whole like meta nature of this episode to begin with. Anyway, so like it's it's not a direct hint at where they're going, but after you've seen it, you go, okay, now this kind of makes sense because this is also part of She-Hulk's show kind of, or her feeling like her show's been taking over and then she takes it back. And so like it does kind of fit into a lot of that. Like when she tells the narrator to shut up, like we're not doing that later on in the episode, Basically saying like it's not that far. Uh, we're not that far off the rails. I thought was great. So uh, it really it fits with everything. And then yeah, if you're a fan of this stuff, who knows that? And if you're like Captain America with flying monkeys, and you understood that reference like that, it it just works. It works so incredibly well, uh, and it was an absolute blast. But getting into the main story of the episode. So after what happened at the at Galagate, as uh, we see it referred to in this episode. Jen Walters is in that same old prison cell that we saw Blonsky in earlier in the season because it's just cheaper to use the same set. And so she has uh, her attorney, Mallory Book, shows up. Nikki's there and Pug is there. And Mallory points out all the world sees. Doesn't matter that Jen was right. Doesn't matter that Jen had every right to be angry. All the all the world saw, all the witnesses saw is the way that she Hulk acted and her destroying things and going into a rage. So the only way that she's going to be able to get out of this situation is, like her client Blonsky, uh, walk out of there with a power inhibitor. 
I still have uh, some issues with uh, with some of this stuff, but I mean, I, I guess I, I shouldn't expect Jen Walters to get justice here. But yeah, I mean, what did she really do at that gala event? She tore down a screen that was playing a sex tape of her um, that obviously she did not give permission to be recorded or you know played in public. So she stopped that and then stopped one of the perpetrators who was responsible for it. Uh, I know it was uh, pretty scary for people to see a, a Hulk out, but at the same time, Eh, I don't know. But you don't necessarily have to feel that it's just. And as Mallory's pointing out, whether it's just or not, we have to figure out how we're going to get you out of here. And these are the terms. And it fits thematically with the show, right? We've been talking about this whole idea of Jennifer Walters and her identity and and She-Hulk. Although for an episode that wants to call out a lot of MCU things for, you know, retreading a lot of territory... We have kind of been through this, uh, in these moments in these episodes where, you know, go back to Titania trying to take the name She-Hulk. Like, yeah, we know that Jennifer Walters is uncomfortable with the idea, even though she didn't like the idea of being She-Hulk, never wanted to be a Hulk, never wanted to be a superhero. When that got taken away, it bothers her. So I'm not surprised that when it gets taken away, not just in name, but now physically with the power inhibitor, no, I'm not at all surprised uh, that she is, uh, that, that she's disappointed by it. And even says as much when she's talking, breaking the fourth wall and and talking about like, I know it's what I said I wanted, but it just doesn't feel right. So thematically, it's on point, but I don't know that it's doing anything different than it's not that different from what they've already been doing in the series. So, again, I, I liked it, but it wasn't that wasn't necessarily grabbing me yet. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. It was it felt very like sudden, I would say that why she's in here and everything. But yeah, it definitely felt thematically connected with, you know, Blonsky and and getting her out there. It, I wish I would have saw a little more. Um, I think I, I, I wasn't shocked that she was in there, but I wish they would have showed me a little bit more of what happened. I think, you know, this before she ended up there, if that makes yeah, any sense. I mean, I, I assume she just surrendered. Right. I assume right, that, right, right. you know, she after she had her Hulk out that she, you know, the savage She-Hulk as they were talking about in the 1970s intro and all of that, that she regained her composure and then she just, you know, safely surrendered herself and, and everything. Because, look, yeah, they're, uh, all due respect to the Department of Damage Control, they're not stopping She-Hulk so uh, without mm-hmm. a, a huge fight right. and, unless she actually gives herself up. So I'm assuming that that's what happened, but... But also, I mean, if Jennifer Walters knows that she didn't really do anything all that wrong and she was really, frankly, defending herself in that situation, um, you could certainly make the case that the way she chose to defend herself endangered other people. That's fair. But it still kind of feels like, I don't know, if you don't think you did anything wrong, then why did you surrender? Like, you don't, I don't know. It's that, that's the part that's a little... Uh, it's a little off, but I get I maybe that helps her make the point. Like, see, I'm really not a threat to anyone. Like, I know I scared mm-hmm. everybody. Uh, that's why I'm going to give myself up and, and I'll deal with this through the law, which is the way that, you know, makes sense that she would a- attempt to do it that way. But, yeah, some of this just felt like, OK, we need to we need to very, very quickly put her back in this position of how badly does she really want to be She-Hulk after she didn't think she wanted to be She-Hulk? Yeah, no, totally. I, I totally agree with that one. So uh, as we move forward, how else is Jennifer Walters' life falling apart? Well, again, she doesn't get to be She-Hulk. She has lost her job at GLKNH. Nikki is going to stay with the firm because they pay her so nicely. Uh, good of Jen to not call out to Nikki for making that choice, but hey, Nikki's got to Nikki's make money. Nikki's got bills to pay. 
Jennifer Walters not going to be able to pay her bills. But that's where like a lot of this stuff is just happening so fast. I'm like, okay, she's been a highly paid lawyer. She's made some money. I mean, I, I guess Jennifer Walters hasn't saved a lot of money. It's hard to do that even if you make a lot of money in, in Los Angeles. It's a very expensive place to live. But at the same time, like she, it, it's very quickly like we have to pull the plug on everything that was going on in her life. But it was funny to see her move back home. I love the line from her dad when they pick her up from prison. Like, it's okay. People go to prison every day. That was a really great line uh, that, that cracked me up. But uh, when she moves home, and uh, of course, there's the gym equipment that's in her old room that's not going to be moving. Her mom's just going to be in there working out every day at 7 a.m. Jen wants to pursue her case against Intelligentsia. But in order to do that, she has to be able to find Intelligentsia. And that is very difficult to do because they are owned by a bunch of companies out, a bunch of shell corporations outside of the U.S. So they're almost impossible to trace. So Jen wants to sue them, but she doesn't even know who she's actually filing a lawsuit against. So that is her challenge. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Nikki is there to help out for moral support and also bond with Jen's mother over a video that Jen made during her dorm days in UCLA. Uh, but that proves to actually be valuable because Nikki uses that embarrassing video to bait Intelligentsia into allowing her, that they don't know that she is quote-unquote female, uh, into a meeting, and Pug will be the stand-in for that with his, uh, uh, with his AirPods uh, firmly in place. But before we get to that, uh, what's going on with Jen? Well, she decides after all of this that she's going to need a mental health break. Where do you go for that? You go to Blonsky. Initially, she tries to reach out to her cousin, Smug Hulk, but uh, the message does not go through because he is off on Sakar doing something that we will find out uh, at the very end of the episode. But anyway, Paul, all of this stuff with just the, the setup of getting her to Blonsky as well as the pursuit of intelligentsia on the part of Nikki. I like that Nikki is able to uncover that. I think it's really cool to show that this character, you know, stepping up in the way that she has and kind of like she did back in the uh, back in the episode where she created the uh, the settlement for Mr. Immortal. So we see Nikki stepping up in these really cool ways. Uh, and I thought this was a really cool way to kind of have a, a B story that feeds directly into the A story and, and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. I really like, and Ginger Gonzaga is just so wildly entertaining as yeah. Nikki Ramos. Like she is so funny in this episode and you know the the just the back and forth with her and jen walters uh jen walters mom elaine i thought was all really oh really funny stuff yeah. like Very oh natural. send me that video already did like it's just yeah. great like <laughs> all of that was was so good and so that's where like this episode really was working for me yeah there was a lot of plot that just kind of got crammed into these first few minutes because we're saving all that time for the fourth wall break so all of that stuff uh some stuff felt a, a little too rushed, but when we actually got to live in those moments and uh, with the characters, that's where I felt like it, it started, you know, it started getting really strong. Uh, and that was just on the on the performances. So Tatiana Maslany, as we say every week, talking about her performance as Jen Walters slash She-Hulk. Um, but you have to really give a lot of credit to the, the supporting cast. And I know Nikki is kind of the, the highlight here. But uh, the supporting cast of this show has also done uh, a lot of work over these nine episodes to, to make it the best that it could, uh, you know, to, to really bring out uh, yeah. the best in this show. Well, I think that Nikki is the one thing we all she's great comedy relief, all that stuff. But the one thing that I 
it, it's obvious to I mean, most people, but I think it, it, we, it's undervalued a little bit, is the fact that she's a great vehicle to get She-Hulk to where you need to go and push plot along in a very fun, natural way. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about her that I think that is very – people don't really you know think about because she is that fun, like funny character – but you can use her to push those things along very naturally and you don't even think about it when it's not even Jen doing it. So it's not, you know what I mean? So you can kind of kind of use her to get things moving and introduce different aspects and have Jen keep doing her thing. It's a, it's a really good plot device, honestly. Um, and I say that in, a, in the most respectful, like most positive way because I think it's really fun and funny and, and she is just a great likable character. And I thought that this is a great example of using that to you know to your full advantage so i think it's it's one of those things where not every um you know character and you know whatever uh ensemble cast you know what i'm saying whatever story always has those characters usually it's always the the main vehicle is the main character you know etc etc but here it's just it's nice to get a little different feel and how like the supporting character can help push the the plot along very naturally and fun and oh it, it it was very nice to see that in on display and it made me realize how much they use her throughout the whole series. I'm like, Oh man, they use Nikki a lot like this. Okay. So, and it's, and again, it's very fun and very, and it, it just kind of it mixes things up. And especially when you're on a TV show like this, you need to have, you can't just have She-Hulk doing the same things over and over again. You have to have, you have to mix it up. And then Nikki's a great way to mix that up. I, I love the character. She was, I felt like I didn't love her initially at first, to be honest. I thought she was fine. Um, but I definitely grow, grew to like her over time. I, I'm not sure. Sometimes with these these really extreme characters, like with their personalities, like even Madison, like it, it just was not kind of grating on me at first. But towards the end, I'm like, okay, it, it, I'm a little bit, you know, you know it's, it's not as annoying or, or in my face. Nikki was kind of like that. Not as intense as Madison, but over time, I'm like, okay, I'm, Nikki's cool. I like this character. Now, at the end of the, epi- end of the season, I'm like, yeah, I love this character. And I hope she shows up in other films, kind of, you know, not like a Coulson, but like just kind of, like, you know, casual, like every once in a while I might show up a cameo just, you know, to kind of for a comic relief, whatever. She'd be, it'd be perfect. It fit perfectly because she has now with She-Hulk a tie into all these different characters now. So, yeah, I, I thought she was a great way to kind of introduce and keep the plot going to get her to the, uh, the uh, intelligentsia uh, area. Yeah, well, and also she's just really good, like the way that she baits. And I, and I know it's very yeah. fast. Like, OK, yes, I also was like, yeah, sure. When she posts the video and three seconds later, Hulk King is like, come to this secret party. As like, OK, um, but I don't care. It was still fun. And, and she's right when she asked the question, like, am I a genius? Yeah, she is. Uh, Nikki's really great at figuring this stuff out. And so um, and also like I. I love that she even risks like because and that is a, a big swing to take. Like, here's this embarrassing video of Jen that could just add to the pylon of everything that she's experiencing. Um, but Nikki uses that and takes that swing to just see if she's able to, you know, puts the bait out there to see if Intelligentsia takes it. And they do. And speaking of Intelligentsia. Well, I guess we were uh we can't be right all the time, Paul. <laughs> well, we're wrong. Uh, we're wrong a lot of the time. So, Intelligentsia, there is, uh, by the end of this episode, and they actually make it very clear in this episode. So, we've talked about, in the comic books, Intelligentsia having these connections to Dr. Samuel Stearns, a.k.a. the leader, who is coming back in the MCU and Captain America New World Order. MODOK, in the comic books, has connections to Intelligentsia. A lot of different Marvel villains have connections to Intelligentsia, but including some that we know or suspect are going to be showing up sometime relatively soon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and thought that maybe 
this is where, where they were planting the seeds of that. No, not at all. Intelligentsia really just is this network of online trolls that is has been started by and bankrolled by the very well-to-do, at least financially, Todd. Um, and he is the entire person behind this. Todd Phelps is the mastermind, in air quotes, uh, and with sarcasm, the mastermind behind Intelligentsia. And we see this group, and first off, for the costume department and whoever came up with the idea that one of them is wearing the Lebowski sweater, another chef's kiss moment uh, in this. I absolutely love that, which is not my way of saying I hate the big Lebowski. I think it's a very good movie and I love watching that movie. But there can be a tendency among some certain trolls to just basically wrap up their entire identity in certain movies and certain characters. Uh, I actually now I'm really wondering. I, I didn't check if uh, if Lebowski was was drinking a white Russian. I don't know. I should have been looking for that, and I'll have to check that out on my next rewatch. But uh, Intelligentsia being this network of very very pathetic dudes and a relatively small group, although this was a secret party, so maybe this isn't all of Intelligentsia that's there. But as Pug is is infiltrating and taking the cues from uh, from Nikki, uh, I was good with all. I had. I have some mixed feelings about this. I like a lot of this because I love the idea of taking the online misogynistic trolls and basically shining a light on them in a way that makes them look very, very small and very, very pathetic as if they don't do enough of that work on their own. I like that a lot. But one of the things that, uh, you know, if you deal with trolls, and and Paul, we've had our, our chances to deal with them, and not on the level that people involved with She-Hulk have, obviously. But, you know, there there is the thing of saying don't feed the trolls because a lot of what they want is attention. And She-Hulk gave them a lot of attention by making them the big bad of an entire Marvel Cinematic Universe project. That's where I have the mixed feelings about it. I love seeing them get slammed and made fun of and all of those things because they earn that. At the same time, though... You can't do that without simultaneously elevating them and saying, like, they're a big enough deal to be the arch villains of an entire series in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the biggest franchise in the world. That's where I feel like it's a little bit of a misstep. And I wish they had done something not just to make us right and with our speculation. I don't care about being wrong in any predictions or speculation that we have in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've been wrong a lot with stuff that I thought was going to happen in the MCU, and I will be wrong many more times about what I think is going to happen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I don't care about that part of it, but why I wish there was something else behind it is there was a way to have some continue to have a lot of the same commentary without necessarily glorifying that group. And I know it sounds weird to say, well, they're so small and pathetic in their little meeting. How could you call that? Uh, well, glorifying might be the wrong word, but as I said, without elevating them, without giving them, uh, placing them above their station a bit to be an arch villain, sta- uh, arch villain status, that's where it's a little, uh, it's a little off for me. And I wish they had done something in addition to show this meeting, but also show that these guys are, they're not even as smart as they think they are because they're not even controlling this thing like they think they are. And that's where if there if there was another culprit like a Dr. Samuel Stearns or something else we talked about, Paul, like Titania being behind it, like these guys being manipulated by people they claim to hate and stuff like that and, and whatever, 
that's where I think it could have uh, it could have added a little something to this besides uh, elevating the trolls while you're making fun of them. Yeah, that's a. It's to me the, the trolls. It's kind of different. Like if it's a if it's a faceless troll, a lot of times it's I don't know. It's I, I think that it, you can go either way. You don't want to feed the trolls. I, I definitely do agree with that. Sometimes people need you need to interact with some people. That's just me. Sometimes I will. Most time I won't. But sometimes I will. But I think with this, sometimes you need to address people and just a little bit and just leave it, and they can you know shout by themselves, whatever. I think with this. It, it works. And I think you have a point. You don't want to, you know, glorify them, even though you're not glorifying them. But any, but as we know, anyone trolls, whoever people crave attention, negative or positive, you know, and unfortunately, that's just reality, whether you're a troll on a computer or even in real life. I yeah. mean, people, I mean, for the people who do say this, though, like who make their YouTube videos and TikToks and whatever the hell else, like they're already saying, like, it's already going. I mean, and I haven't actually seen it. I just assume that it's out there. They can sure. take this and say they're so worried about us. They made us the villain of their show. Yeah, yeah, and that's and you know what? I think that they and they can they can have that, but but I think to me more so they, they say because in the show itself they're saying the things that they always say in their videos, and they're yeah. and there's and I think that's what's so, so awesome about it is that they're just kind of making fun of like let's have a problem, but why should get a powers from somebody else? It's it's just like it's just, it's super hilarious, you know. And I love the callouts of everything, and because I, I love that because in the end. What does uh, the the main villain do? The main villain's like, I deserve to be a Hulk because I, you know, it's just it's hilarious. And so, I I just I like the idea of calling it out because I think it needs to be called out. And I know they could say oh, they, they, they're worried about us. It, I think it, acknowledging the ridiculous the ridiculousness of them is not always glorifying them. They could because here's the thing, and we all know this too. They will twist everything about to them. It's just reality. Oh yeah, of course. And, and that's the thing. They could say, "Well, obviously they they, they care about us because they, you know, even if they didn't have any trolls, they could have said, well, obviously they care about this.' You can twist anything. And to me, I like the fact they went full, they went all in on it instead of just kind of doing a little bit of a nod and wink, wink. It was more of like, no, we're just gonna make it all about you guys and just make fun of you. And they, I thought they did a good job. I don't think it was what I the reason I think they did a good job was I felt that it was perfect. There was a private meeting. It was just acknowledging the, the things they actually say in their videos and try to take seriously. And, and again, these people who are, I say this, these people on YouTube probably don't even believe what they say. They're just saying it to get people to watch their videos and get money off of it. But that's a whole different story. But that's the thing is like they're they're making them the villains. They're acknowledging how ridic they're ridiculous. And you just kind of leave it at that because in the end, they'll have some either way. They're going to twist everything you do to be anti this or anti that. And they don't like us and they, this is whatever, you know, that's just what they're going to do. So instead of like tiptoeing around it, you're like, nah, we're just going to make fun of you about it. And, and I don't think that it was done in an overblown, like, ha ha, you're so stupid. Like, I don't think it was like that. Honestly, I thought it was very, it was mild. I felt well, nobody to had to call them stupid because they were, Show, they they, they look were, stupid. They were well, yeah. They were calling themselves out with the stuff that the, exactly. the words that came out of their mouth. So no, all of on that level, I really like it. But I also feel like you could have done all of those same things, and you already had done a lot of those same things That's throughout right. some yeah. other moments in the show, without making them the real, true, big bad of the show. And I, and I think maybe that I'm sure the counter argument to this is well, they're not really the big bad. Nobody's the big bad of the show. And I think that's maybe more of the point that you get to with the fourth wall break 
And uh, we'll, of course, get into that very, very soon. So I think that is, that's the argument for this. And that's why, again, I say my, my feelings on it are mixed because I see the positive sides of this, but I also kind of feel like it would have been another own on that group to basically show that what it, they don't even have, because I, I think that's the other thing is to show them you don't even have the agency that you think you do. And, and I kind of wish that was an, an even bigger point to just add to how pathetic some of those guys are uh, that uh, I, I feel like was a, a little bit of a missed opportunity there. But it's only my job to talk about the show. It's not my job to, uh, to have written the show. So uh, I'll move on from that point. Meanwhile, uh, while this is happening on the same property, uh, which has not been revealed to us yet, Jen is having her mental health break. She's looking for Blonsky. He is not there. He's going to be down at the lodge for an abomination speaking engagement. And then we, uh, meanwhile, Jen runs into Wrecker, who offers her some tea without the chicken blood uh, that uh, Saracen had put in there before. And uh, I, I like that he gives her a hug. I, I really like that this show did not make the turn. Like, it definitely sets it up. Like, oh, God, these guys are going to be part of Intelligentsia. And even when Abomination walks through the door and gives his speech to Intelligentsia, no, he's not a member. He's not a founder. He's just accepted a paid gig. He does speaking engagements. And it's not that bad because, as he points out to Jen later, purely for profit. But uh, the stuff with Jen and, and, and Wrecker I, I thought was really fun. And then when you get to Blonsky's speech, just regurgitating all of its Blonskyisms. Uh, and I love, like, when she was reading the haiku, like, you know, you see, like you call me a monster, but our, our hearts beat the same. Like, <laughs> like who's the real monster? I totally butchered that. That's not what the, the line is. But uh, yeah, Blonsky haikus and then him just being a life coach and just taking a bunch of money from Intelligentsia, from t Mr. Todd Phelps and uh, and just going out and I don't know, just expelling all of these nonsense platitudes to this group. And they're all uh, they're all about it. Seize your power and all of that stuff. Uh that I thought was really funny, and, and the stuff, as I said, with Jen setting up the uniting these plot lines, right, of what Nikki has Nikki has discovered, and also with Pug being there as well, to bringing Jen, you know, full circle into that lodge to be face-to-face -face with Intelligentsia and her client Blonsky. Uh, so all of that setup, again, I, I thought was working, uh, was working really, really well before, uh, despite Jen's insistence that this finale was not going to go off the rails, it, it totally does in, in a very good way. Yeah, I the record thing, it definitely... See, I, I'll save most of my, my final thoughts because I think there's more. I think there's still more to this. I, 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 just, hey, I, I think know. you want there to be more because then it, it feeds into that comic book piece well, of it. But like, I, right, look, right. when he offered her the tea, I was like, oh, um, yeah, right, right, but right. he poured it. But then I was watching very, very closely like this is to the point to this show's point. Like this is how well trained we are to expect certain things in superhero stories is like we have a guy who plays a villain an antagonist in Marvel Comics. And that's not necessarily how he's been presented. But like we we still suspect that that turn may be there. And so I'm watching like, OK, he poured the tea from the same pot. There was no switch. And then he drank it first. So there's nothing in there like he's not about to drug Jen. Uh, for the purposes of intelligentsia. So, because I was watching for that, like, oh, Blonsky's not there and Wrecker's just there by himself. And then you just realize, well, it's cheaper to have only one actor there. So I, I think that was, I certainly had the a lot of the those same suspicions of waiting for a turn that never really happened with Wrecker. But I'm fine that it didn't happen because as I was saying, when we talked about that uh, that episode with group therapy a couple weeks ago, 
I'm glad they they held. I'm glad that that has been upheld. I'm glad that there actually was no ulterior motive to that. That they weren't setting up some betrayal from Blonsky or Wrecker or any of them. I, I love that all of that remains the same because, as we talked about when we did that spoiler episode, that was so nice and so sweet and so helpful to Jen, and it was just a very nice thing to watch happen in an episode in a piece of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that. I didn't want it to be undone. I didn't want it to retroactively be made not real because it was all part of setting up some other betrayal to hurt Jennifer Walters slash She-Hulk. So I love that now, you know, you talk about this being a very, very rewatchable Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, and I fully agree with that. But part of what allows it to continue to be so rewatchable is that episode that we love so much. I would love it less if I know you know, after the fact that, well, this is just a setup for for a twist, for the betrayal, I wouldn't be able to enjoy that episode as much. Now I can enjoy it for being as pure of heart as it seemed to be at the time because nothing that happens here in this finale undoes any of that. And so that's the aspect of it, uh, you know, wrecker or not, that I just absolutely love. So I'm, I'm glad it upheld what was a, a very special episode. Well, and... And like I said, I, I, have, I have some questions because I, I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, wait a minute. So I have, when we get to the end, I'll, I'll, I'll ask my questions because I kind of did I kind of thought about something for a minute there. I went, huh? But we'll get to that in a second. I, yeah, we'll save that for later. All right, continue, continue. So as we uh, as we press on, so everybody's in the lodge. It's Jen. It's Abomination. It's Todd. It's Intelligentsia. And, oh, wait, Titania is here. And, oh, wait, Smug Hulk is going to be here. And what has also happened? That whole plot line about She-Hulk blood. Was that because the leader wants to create a Red Hulk? No, it's because Todd wanted to turn himself into a Hulk. And he does so. And all of these crazy things are happening. And they've all been thrown in with little to no setup. And Jennifer Walters spots that, calls it out. What the hell is happening here? And she stops her own finale, or rather, she doesn't stop when the viewer or somebody stops the finale when they exit out to the Disney Plus menu. And then we get Jennifer Walters knocking through her own thumbnail and then climbing down through into Marvel Studios Assembled, which was great, by the way, uh, to use that. And shout out to Marvel Studios Assembled. It's a great series for all this behind the scenes stuff. And I love that we will now get the Marvel Studios assembled of She-Hulk that will include the Marvel Studios assembled within the Marvel Studios assembled for She-Hulk, or at least I certainly hope it does. A lot of times the finale twists don't always make it into uh, some of those things. So I, I really hope that it does for uh, for the She-Hulk Marvel Studios assembled episode. Anyway, before we even get into what happens on the lot, Disney lot, Marvel Studios offices, all of that stuff, just that huge change in the episode where everything just stops. And now this becomes something wildly different from what we've ever seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And as I said before, we're not just talking about a fourth wall break. We're talking about knocking down the entire freaking soundstage around all of this stuff. Uh, It just kind of goes away uh, and becomes something else entirely. And uh, I'm sure it can be jarring. I, even when I was watching, I was like, what the hell? 
it shouldn't feel as jarring. I mean, if you have some familiarity with She-Hulk comic books, she has yelled at her writers before. This is not the first time that that's happened. First time it's happened in the MCU, but not the first time it has happened for this character. And so a lot of this stuff is true to form, true to the spirit of She-Hulk comic books, of Jennifer Walters as a character, having enough self-awareness to know that she is part, she's playing a part in a story and that it's her story and her having thoughts on exactly how her story should be told, what should be in her story. All of that stuff is on par with the source material, but I can't say I saw this coming. I can't say I saw them doing it in this extreme of a way. I thought they were already kind of covering it with some of the things that she would say when she was breaking the fourth wall throughout the series, like when she talked about, oh, uniting the A story and the B story, nice. And some of the other things she said, like calling out the potential twist that must be set up uh, at the end of last week's episode because we have an episode that could have ended there and now it seems like this is a, a tacked on set piece to set up a twist for the finale. So she's already been doing some of those things like we've seen in uh, in comic books, but this takes it to a whole other level of breaking the fourth wall and just going full meta with all of this stuff. And I mean, the visuals are just striking. Like there's She-Hulk. I mean, for those who maybe have been there, like there she is walking across the Disney lot. There she is going into, and that is the, that's the elevator to and the lobby of the Marvel Studios offices that she walks into. And and Matt Wilkie was there as the, uh, you know, as the reception. That's the guy who was actually there at the front desk for Marvel Studios and the uh, and I was tripping out with all of that stuff because I've been there. Like, I've been to that lobby. I have signed the NDA that Jennifer Walters had to sign, although it was probably a more updated version that she had to sign uh, from when I was there a few years ago. But it was crazy to see all of that stuff just stopping in the middle of the show. So before, Paul, we get to her yelling at the writers and meeting Kevin, just this initial transition uh, the Disney Plus menu thing might actually be my favorite part. Like that was just, it, it was such a cool visual and yeah. it really showed you that you were about to go on a completely different ride from the one that you thought you were on. Um, and then also, yeah, illustrating the point of having this completely wild, out of control, very superficial finale and Jennifer Walters just stopping it and saying, you know, not good enough. Uh, that All of that I really loved. Yeah, this was where... Right when you have when everyone starts showing up with, you know, Hulk and Abomination, I went, oh, my God, they're doing this right No, and, Yeah, I mean, I knew something was off. I, I knew this wasn't real. Like, I don't know. What, did, did you really buy what, that that was going to be the, the real finale as all that was happening? I was just kind of like huh? when when Todd became the Hulk character, I was very much just. What? Yeah, I, when I, that, I was like, as soon as Todd started becoming Hulk, I was like, this isn't I was like, this isn't really going to be it. And then when, I, when Titania right. burst through the door out of nowhere, I was like, this isn't it. And then when when Hulk shows up, when Banner shows up, I'm like, this definitely isn't it. Something. I, it, yeah, it just, I, I, don't, I think I was just kind of like, I think I was so shocked that Todd was the one. I went, huh? And, I, and so once that started happening I, and all that afterwards. Well, I knew I wasn't about to watch She-Hulk versus Todd. I just knew that wasn't going to happen. I, I, I guess I, di I didn't think it maybe either. I just was kind of like perplexed. I just kind of was, I, I wasn't expecting it. So I just was kind of more in like, what? And then when I have one, okay, that makes more sense. So when we did the turn and I, this is what I, this is when I went from like enjoying the show to like, I absolutely loved it because like you said, and again, you don't have to be comic 
just because you're comic accurate doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, mainstream connecting accurate or whatever, right? Like whatever you know, want to say. I, but I do think there is a value to keeping it to the truth of what the character has been before because there's a reason why it's connected to any kind of audience, right? That's why comic book properties in general are looked at as a hot property because if it hits with a small group, it'll hit with a bigger group, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, so when this happened, though, it was so perfect. And I think this whole thing, it to me, Sean, was such a perfect one for one because it really dives into what, what I think makes She-Hulk work as a character is that whole fourth wall breaking, yelling at the writers, you know, going super meta with it. There is that's kind of become her thing to kind of give her, you know, again, John Burns, a big reason for that. And to be honest, I think it works really well. And I thought this was such a perfect thing for the character because, again, with, with a character like She-Hulk, that you could really, really get derivative with it. And I think that's the whole point, right, of showing how derivative that ending should have been. And that's why I loved it because she calls it out, the character calls it out in the way that she would in the comics, and it's perfect. And I just love – the Disney Plus screen was was a perfect. Whoever came up with that, yeah. brilliant. That was brilliant. That was my favorite part of it. Yeah, it was great. And so, and I never been in the studio like thing, obviously. And I've honestly never really cared to look and see what it was. All I know is I've seen that Marvel Studios thing wall before and video people's pictures. That's it. So it was actually kind of cool for me as a fan who got to see what it's what, you know, what it looks like. And, and I think that's really cool for a lot of people who don't have that uh, the, the benefit of going to there. They got to see it and got to see what it looks like and kind of get to see you know kind of like a a look a peek inside of everything, Sean. For, for, to an extent, um, obviously we'll get to that in a second, but yeah, I thought it was a really fun way of kind of like acknowledging, like playing, uh, uh, homage to, you know, the, the people who work at Marvel studios and everything and, and kind of what's, what's there. It was just a cool thing to do. And I, I thought it was really a, a nice kind of fun way to kind of break up this, this really unique episode. And I, I loved it. I thought, I thought it was a really brilliant approach and what we get into here was my absolute favorite. Yeah. Except what you don't get is on a door from the outside, a gigantic She-Hulk production sign. That's not the way it works uh, on the Disney lot. It's a little more secretive than that until you actually get inside <laughs> the Marvel Studios office and then you see the Marvel stuff and it's amazing. But um, yeah, like all of that setup, like that's kind of where, I don't know, that I, I guess it's also a little bit of a criticism that I have of it because I, I do think it kind of affects the commentary I don't really think what they did here or what they were doing in this finale was really that representative of Marvel finales. Like, and I know all the tropes that people call out about Marvel finales and all of that stuff, but this was doing what I feel like Marvel Studios things haven't done. I know the the whole big fight trope and all of those things. Okay, a lot of that is totally fair. But what was happening in this finale was more than that and worse than that. I, I think what they did was Rather than writing a standard Marvel finale and saying that's what that's what this shouldn't be, they intentionally wrote because it helped to make the point what would have been obviously the worst Marvel finale ever with the way that this was all structured because it was so cheap, it was so undercooked, and things and characters were just popping in with no setup for them being in this episode and all of those things, all these last-minute additions. And usually there's better storytelling and better setup in Marvel things. Otherwise, I wouldn't still be podcasting about them. So I, I think that that's where, again, I, I just... I, I see what you're doing, and I didn't know what they... I didn't know what it was going to turn into, to be perfectly clear. 
It's not like I was watching that thinking, she's about to go walking through the Marvel Studios offices. No, I, I did not see that part of it coming. But I knew as I was watching it, I was like, something is off. This can't be the real finale. I think maybe in my head, it was probably like Wayne's World. It was probably like, we're not going to do this ending. We're going to do the Scooby-Doo ending. And then we're going to do the mega happy ending or whatever. Like that was kind of what I was probably thinking in my head of what it was going to turn into was Jennifer Walter saying, nope, this isn't it. And then we restart and we go through a, a proper finale, I guess is probably where I thought it was going. And then we get this massive fourth wall break. And when she storms into to catch up to where we left off and she gets into the office and she goes into the writer's room and there are some of the actual writers in there, like Jessica Gao, Cody Ziegler, but they don't get speaking roles, uh, mind you. Also, Marvel Studios prop master Russell Bobbitt is also there uh, present as an interviewee uh, in, in this episode, gets to make a cameo. But um, when we get to the writer's room, the actual writers of the show don't have speaking roles. They're there as background, and then you have actors playing writers in all of this. And... Um, yeah, like it's all very hacky in the way you see this writer's room, but I would say that you don't necessarily get a lot of that stuff uh, in the MCU. So again, it was like, we're going to do the worst version of what a Marvel's writer's room could look like as opposed to what they probably actually have looked like uh, because it, it helps make the point that we are trying to make here. But uh, but anyway, her going in there and yelling at the writers, it is par for the course, but done elevated in a way in the MCU that I just did not expect. And then it all comes down to, well, this is what Kevin wants, and She-Hulk wants to go talk about. Uh, and Jessica Gao, the head writer for the series, created it for television, even talked about like that. there was some real inspiration for the way they talked about Kevin Feige in that writer's room, that he is revered at Marvel Studios, which, yeah, like we get that. We revere Kevin Feige, and I know that it's the kind of thing where uh, sometimes it seems so weird to just be uh, be such big fans of this guy in a hat, but he's just been really good at his job. But yeah, it, it can lead to maybe uh, re taking that reverence to an unhealthy level, as She-Hulk calls out in that. And when she says she wants to talk to Kevin, no one talks to Kevin, but she is going to, uh, to work her way through it. And so that uh, super secure hallway fight, I mean, the security guards don't look like that uh, at Marvel Studios. That's very much like Hammer Industries from Iron Man 2 is what that hallway sequence looked like. But then she finally gets to Kevin, and he is this gigantic AI robot with a hat. That is amazing. I love that. Uh, I don't know if anybody, uh, if you're, if you followed along with any of the interviews about how the hat came about. Originally, the idea was that they would just put a hat on this AI bot, and Kevin Feige rejected that idea. Why would a robot wear a hat? So then it got incorporated. Jackson Z, the visual development supervisor of this uh, of this series found the way, he, he unlocked it with a design that just incorporated the hat into the look of the robot as opposed to it actually being a hat that a robot would not wear. And Kevin is just a fancy, sophisticated entertainment algorithm that has produced near-perfect results, some better than others. He lets people debate that. Uh, Kevin lets people debate that out on the internet. And then we get this, She-Hulk gets a chance to make her closing argument for why all of these things that are being thrown into this finale should not be there and what the end of her story should be, or at least what she spends more of her time focusing on, what the end of her story should not be. 
I I don't know what I thought it was going to be, Paul, but I, I knew Kevin Feige was not going to be there. I knew when she storms off to talk to Kevin, Kevin Feige's not going to allow himself to be put into an episode of uh, this She-Hulk Disney Plus series or anything. He's historically said like his one cameo that he ever did in a Marvel movie was the very first X-Men movie on which he was an associate producer. And you don't even you can't even actually see him. I'm pretty sure it's on the cutting room floor. You don't actually see Kevin Feige in any of that. I have, of course, no opposition, no argument whatsoever with the idea of Kevin Feige eventually having a cameo in something in the MCU. I've got no problem with that whatsoever, but he doesn't want it. So I did not expect him to show up, uh, and he doesn't. And it works better to have this algorithm, because in some ways it represents, I think, what a lot of people think Marvel Studios is, but it kind of isn't with the way that they tell stories. Although I don't know if that's really the point the show is trying to make. Uh, with that, but I don't know if they're trying to say that that Marvel has been too algorithm-driven, AI-driven, whatever the case may be, uh, when I just don't necessarily believe that that's been the case. But rather than getting defensive about Marvel Studios and just looking at this for what it is, uh, I I liked Kevin. I thought that was a great touch. Now, as I said, incorporating a hat in the machine, uh, machine design was just a, another chef's kiss in an episode that had plenty of them. I love this. This was genius. Um, when, when she went to the writer's room and talking, I saw Ziggler there. I thought that was awesome. I'm like, oh, they're all there. It's great. I'm not sure who said, who said it, but I died when he, when, when that guy goes, I'll give my life for Kevin. Yep. <laughs> Just the delivery was, is it so, it was I think so, he said he, like, would, he would kill for him. Yeah. I would kill for Kevin. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. It was so perfect the way they're, the, the way they're talking about it. Like, no one sees Kevin. I would kill for Kevin. Um, and when she came in there and and it was an algorithm, I thought it was perfect. I was trying to see all the all the the, the comic books that were uh that, that were shining like on like the the, the electrical racks, whatever mm. you want to call them. I was looking for that. I was, like one of them was that um like the like the anti like Hulk episode where it's like it's you not know, like a Ghostbusters no whatever on uh, on Hulk. I was like, are these like Easter eggs? I went and looked at the comic. I went, I don't see anything in here necessarily. But anyway, um, could be just be comics they liked. I don't know. Um, either way. I love this. I thought this was brilliant. This is why I love this episode. Like this is probably my favorite part of the episode was acknowledging, like teasing Kevin and like, it's almost weird how, how, you know, it, it was a way of acknowledging like his success without being like, in, in, in all, you have, you have to acknowledge how good he's been over the years. Right. It's, it was a great way of like, you're a machine. Like that's what you are. You're just a machine algorithm, like acknowledging that he's producing like these, these hits out of like, you know, like it's a machine kind of thing. And, and I think there could be, a, there's a little bit of a jab in that, I think, and not in a bad way, but a little bit, but I think, but I think that's the fun of what Kevin's doing where himself saying, yeah, that's fun. Like, yeah, we're, we're producing out like this machine like stuff on a regular basis. So yeah, it makes sense that like I'd be a machine because it's like, I'm an AI. I'm like, I'm, I'm figuring out what this stuff is. It's not, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's a little bit of a jab there, but it's, it's not really that big. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it shows like, obviously you're not taking yourself too seriously. Like exactly. Yeah. You know, Kevin Feige's like, yeah, you want to turn me into a, an AI robot? Fine. No problem. Um, yeah. you, know, you want to, you want to hurl all the criticisms that have been levied against the movies I've produced for the past, uh, 14 years. Go ahead. Like, it's fine. Yeah. I, like, and, and I think, Obviously, that speaks to him not being, um, you know, not taking himself too seriously, as I said. And also, like, Jessica Gao is just factoring in some of the things that have been revealed in interviews since the finale that, like, 
that this was an idea that aside from, you know, wearing a, a hat that wasn't actually incorporated into the design, that Kevin Feige was really supportive of all of this stuff. And, and also at the same time, like this came from Jessica Gao, like trying to write what she normally thought a Marvel finale would be. And Kevin actually telling her, you don't have to do that. Like you can do something uh, very, very different. And so that's, I, I think that's kind of where it, that's where it really works for me is on that larger level is breaking everyone's expectations of what these things have to be. Kevin Feige's expectations, uh, a writer's expectations, a director's expectation, and yes, the audience's expectations, that we all have the opportunity to subvert expectations, to break the mold, to do things in a, in a very different way, and, and think of these characters and these stories in very different ways, which I know it feels like a very obvious point, point. and certainly if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know where I stand on this stuff, like a lot of the a lot of the criticism of Marvel doing the same thing over and over again. There are some tropes, no doubt, that uh, are present in superhero stories, in MCU stories. Um, but I also feel like they have broken the mold many times in a lot of things that they've done over the years. But the only way you can continue to be creative, the only way you can continue to keep things fresh and original, is you do have to be able to look at yourself through a harder lens and be able to say, well, okay, well, how can we continue to do things differently? Um, and that is by saying, well, we don't, is modifying the expectations and not allowing yourself to fall into patterns and all of those things. And, and that's kind of what the show is calling out in, in a lot of ways there. And the philosophy behind this, the idea behind this fourth wall break and what Jennifer Walters is, is calling out um, even if I wouldn't even fully agree with all of the criticisms that are being made here. And as I said, they did, they intentionally wrote the worst possible finale they could think of, not a typical Marvel finale. I would say they intentionally wrote the worst possible finale in order to illustrate, to make the point of what this shouldn't be. But right. the only way that you can continue to drive things forward is to be that, that hard on yourself while simultaneously not taking yourself very seriously. Like, right. what we do here is a lot of fun, and there's a lot of cool things that we love and, and expect from superhero stories, but we can also do things completely differently whenever we feel like it, and this is a, a great example of that, even if it is incomplete, which I'll, I'll get to later on. But, you know, but one of the things I think, and I've been thinking about this since I watched the episode, and, and, and the, when I look at Phase 4 overall... And I think the one thing that people have, it's been a mixed bag. I think overall reaction, it, it hasn't been like predominantly all make a positive. There's been a lot of like mixed people yeah. are split. More, yeah, more we so don't get, ever. we don't get consensus on the same level we did during the infinity saga, which is, which is fine. I, I don't, but I, but here's what I think what people are going to look back at this phase four as important. And I think a show like she Hulk and Kevin's leadership is so important is the fact that there's a lot of different kinds of stories and elements they're introducing into the MCU and not just characters, but types of stories like, like She-Hulk, like the Eternals where, you know, you have an, even WandaVision like Moon Knight, um, you know, Werewolf by Night, all these different shows and different things, uh, Shang-Chi, all these different ideas. Um, these, this is the most diverse types of stories we've gotten in the MCU, which everyone has said before. Oh, and I think phase four is, is that totally the opposite. 
It's yeah. a lot of different kinds of things. And again, there's been mixed results, but the one thing that I think a show like She-Hulk and all those things I just told, just explained is important is that you're establishing now what the what the kinds of stories you can tell in the MCU. So when you tell them later on, maybe it hits better later on with a different character or what with a different writer or whatever. Either way, you've set the the standards now, or you set the table for people to know what they what they can expect, and they won't be shocked and surprised when you either go on the same territory, or if let's say you improve or build off that same territory. And I think a show like She Hulk is a great example in, do, in doing uh, this finale the way they've done it, Sean. And I think you you picked up on something. The reason I'm going off about this is you picked you said that you know Kevin told Jennifer Gao you could do something different. Like he has been encouraging all of phase four. Let's be real. He's the head honcho. He's, and I'm sure other people are, are echoing and, and helping him orchestrate this, but they are orchestrating a much different looking MCU. Mm-hmm. I think by design, not just cause like, Oh, we need new characters. Cause are we killed off? You know, whatever, but to be, they know they can't stay the same and it may not be hit. Everything's not going to hit like it was in, in infinity saga, but just cause it doesn't hit right then doesn't make a billion dollars doesn't mean you can't build off that. And that's the one foundation that I think the MCU has. I think that most people undervalue is that the MCU was not built on instant success on every single property. They built off everything. Thor is a great, or not Thor, but I, I think no, Thor well, is yeah, a great yeah, example. Yeah. Yeah. Thor. I mean, Thor had a good, a good solid foundation, the first movie and Captain then America, an even better one. I mean, yeah, I was like, Captain America is a great example. Yes. Yeah. And so, and so Iron Man and like even, even Iron Man 2, you, I mean, I I love that movie more than most people, wasn't as successful. Iron Man 3, huge success. And you used it and built those characters over time and brought them together. And I, I say all that to say that I think when you look back at episode four or phase four, and this episode in particular is a great antithesis of that, is that Kevin realizes we've got it. We've done a great job introducing the universe now with these three phases. Now we have to Near build it job. even more. Yeah. Now we have to build it and it's going to be different and people are going to be like, I don't know about this. And what's going to happen is there's going to be some hits and there's going to be some misses. You build off what misses, you build off what hits. And then when, when that way you, when you go back and tread some of that new territory without having to repeat yourself, people are more ready and ready to be willing to accept it for, you know, whatever reason they want to accept it for. So I just think that it's really brilliantly done what they've done. What, all of phase four, it has always hit with me. I'm not going to say I loved everything about it because I've definitely criticized a number of different films or in TV series, but it's been, I, I like the different direction that they've gone because I think it's going to pay dividends for them later on. Maybe not phase five necessarily, maybe that, maybe not, maybe not by the, t- uh, by the time of the end of the multiverse saga, Sean, but I think after the multiverse saga, you're going to start seeing the seeds of those better, different kinds of ideas and stories and writing and whatever is going to pay way off during that time. And I think phase four is going to be the crux and the real like look back and go, man, phase four was important for Marvel in a, like in a creative standpoint. So I think episode six and the AI was just a great antithesis of what represents phase four, this different type of story. Don't take itself. Don't take yourself so seriously. Be open to different ideas. Don't be closed minded. Like the, the enemies of the she Hulk show, the intelligentsia and be and be open and and be and be free and be yourself. And I think that to me is what is this episode represents to me. And I think this AI, as I say, all that's funny, weird, you know, serious. I think a very serious me- uh, message. I think is very important. This whole AI thing was a great, like, lighthearted way of showing that. And I just loved it. I thought it was brilliant. 
And I think phase four, again, is, is being under, undervalued a lot in that way. It's not perfect. I'm not going to say it's perfect. It doesn't, I, there's things, hey, I, I wish I loved Moon Knight more. And I don't. And I, it sucks. I think Moon Knight is, is one of my favorite characters in Marvel Comics and whatever. But you know what? Like, they have a chance to make it right again with with the season two or whatever they're going to do with Moon Knight later on. So that's my point. Let's build off what we have in phase four. And I think they're, and I think that's the one thing that MCU does better than anyone. They usually rebound better and know how to learn and take their lumps. And they when they do, they usually improve off of it. And I've, I've only seen them improve from here. So I think this AI thing was incredible. I hope it comes back for season two. I hope, you know, and they play off that and maybe even Deadpool. I'm sure we're going to get to that at some point. But yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, and I think that this is part of what's going to happen, though. As you tell different stories, like that's a, a big part of why maybe the we don't see as overwhelmingly positive consensus across the board as we seem to find with a lot of stuff in the Infinity Saga. Although, I mean, what's the MCU project that, I, I would say the MCU project that maybe got the worst reception of anything in Phase 4 is Eternals. And even then, there's still a lot of people who like it. And, you know, some stuff, it's a little more mixed, but it's all still leaning very, very positive, whether you're looking at reviews or fan reception or box office. But one of the things that inevitably happens as you tell different types of stories and as you really try to continue to, as, as they were already doing, like I think we, we saw an evolution and we charted it as it was happening as we moved from phase one to phase two to phase three, and it's continued now in phase four, and we'll continue five, six, and however many of these phases we get. As you continue to evolve and you branch out into even more different types of stories and all of that stuff, inevitably, not every single one of those stories gets to be something that every single person is going to want or enjoy. So as you differentiate the stories, yes, you are going to have some things that hit differently for people, like uh, an example within our show is two very different movies and very different styles with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder this year, you and I, Paul, are basically flipped on those movies. Like, I uh, didn't necessarily love and have my complicated relationship with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You loved it. And then it's the reverse when we talk about Thor Love and Thunder. And that's just going to happen, and that's totally fine, because that's what happens with comic books. Like, we don't all pick up and continue reading the exact same issues, the exact same series. And I, I certainly love the idea of the MCU wanting to evolve in this way, call itself out for some of its tropes uh, as they do uh, in this, because that's just part of that evolution. That's part of the, the growing pains and, and whatever else. So uh, all of that stuff I really, really liked. And the conversation with Kevin was great. I like that, uh, and some of the stuff that was just really funny, like uh, before we begin, can you please turn back to Jen? Like why? Because you're very expensive. Oh, and we need to cut away before you change because the visual effects team has moved on to another project and then you get the Wakanda Forever music cue. Like all of that. That was incredible. That was just absolutely fantastic. And then when they get to, uh, when, and then she's like, well, this is still like, you know, a legal comedy. Like, okay, sure, if you want it to be. And uh, so she gets to make her closing argument and she hits on the points that we've talked about throughout. And that's maybe where I, I do think, you know, that's where I, I have, you know, the argument that they make with this, I, I do have some criticisms of it, even if I agree with a lot of it. Like when she says, those are my stakes, like my life fell apart, just as I was trying to learn how to balance and enjoy being Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk. That's true. That is what happened. And that is part of what's at stake. But that was what was at stake the entire time. 
And so I think that's part of the beauty of the MCU is those emotional stakes for characters that are much more relatable, grounded, whatever you want to you whatever you want to say about it emotionally, you can have all of that and you can have some of the, the superhero tropes. Like it is that balance that I think has made the MCU so successful. And if they say, well, we want to just have the emotional stakes this time and not so much get into the superhero tropes, that's totally fine. And that's a perfectly valid choice. She-Hulk, by the way, not the first Disney Plus finale to go a completely different direction. I will point you to the Loki finale last year as something that said, we're not going to do a big action-driven finale, a big spectacle. That's a con- That yep. episode is mostly a conversation between three people and, and just sitting across a desk from each other. So there are ways to do things differently. And She-Hulk, of course, makes its own point. Jennifer Walters gets to make her own argument. And all of that I loved. All of that I agreed with. So where does the incomplete thing come from? Oh, also quick shout out, like her shout out to the X-Men and looking at us and giving like the wink and the thumbs up with like her tongue sticking out. Amazing. Uh, So thank you, Jennifer Walters, for uh, representing those of us who are are desperate to see mutants in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Although it seems like we got one uh, with Kamala Khan, but some of the other ones that are that are famous and we know are are on the way uh, that we want to see in the MCU very soon. Um, I also like the call out of. Uh, you know, oh, so so there's going to be a movie? No, uh, which I is that Kevin's way of telling us all the universal distribution business isn't resolved? Is, is that what that is? And we're not going to get a She-Hulk movie or a Hulk movie? I don't know. Uh, I guess uh, as always, only time will tell. But getting into that incomplete grade for me, I love like everything up until this point. Her whole argument about what her finale should not be and all of those things. But that is where I wish this was the second to last episode or it was an hour long episode. You know, either say it's a longer episode or surprise, what you thought was the finale isn't. Stay tuned next week for the real finale. I still want an in-story resolution to these things. So like it's it's fine for Jennifer. It's great for Jennifer Walters to break the fourth wall and say, All of these obviously bad things that we're doing in the finale are obviously bad and we shouldn't do them or all of these tropes, you know, the worst versions of these tropes that we've had and and have been executed much better in the MCU. Like we just still don't need to have any of that type of stuff. This can just be about me and my emotional stakes and what's going on with my story as She-Hulk and all of that. That's fantastic. I agree with all of that. But then I want to have, I want her to go back into the story and experience that in story. So I don't just want to cut to everything's over and Todd and Intelligentsia are busted. She's going to sue them. And then, by the way, it keeps doing things that it was calling itself out for doing. Daredevil literally just drops in. Uh, And then we'll get uh, Hulk has a son at the very end of the episode. So it does continue doing things that it said it didn't want to do, but uh, in a in a very different way. And, And I think that's part of where it's just continuing to, you know, make fun of itself a little bit. But I, I wanted an in-story resolution. So I, I know you can rightfully criticize, well, the Hulk blood thing isn't that suspiciously like Super Soldier Serum. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but at the same time, like they baited it in the story to make the Hulk uh, blood a, a big deal. And, and it just, it it still is underwhelming that like nothing is in story. All of these things that the story has treated like it mattered to say, well, some of these things don't really matter anymore. It's just about this. 
I'm fine with it focusing on the emotional stakes for Jennifer Walters, but I don't really think we got resolution there. Like, I don't really have this moment where she says, like, my life fell apart because when I was trying to be Jennifer Walters in She-Hulk or when I was learning to love that. It's like, okay, well, have the moment in story where she learns to love that and she accepts that because that's part of the struggle that we've been talking about for these nine episodes is this is the struggle. How does she balance these things? How does she learn to love being She-Hulk. Now that she's learned to love being She-Hulk, how does she continue to love being Jennifer Walters when she feels like she can only compare herself unfavorably to that other side of her life as She-Hulk? We never really got to see her resolve those things. You could make the argument that that's that she makes that that that, that resolution occurs in the fourth wall break. I don't really think it does, or at least it didn't really feel like it did so in a satisfying way to me. And it's harder to be satisfying when it's happening in the meta space as opposed to in the in the midst of an actual story. I will make an argument in favor of this. Uh, I'll counter my own argument here and make an argument in favor of this that it's still a story, right? Because obviously the fourth wall break, yes, they're inside the real Marvel Studios building for some of that stuff, but that's not the real Marvel Studios. That's not really Kevin. That's not how this stuff is actually made and all of that stuff. So there's still artifice within all of that. And you could say, well, that's the story is about, and the resolution comes because Jennifer Walters is a self-aware character who's gained a level of agency because of that self-awareness, knowing she's a fictional character, has an, a, a, achieves a level of agency that many characters, especially characters who are women, just have never been able to experience. To have the level of agency in her story to be able to actually go in and dictate what her story should be, or at least at the very least, what her story certainly should not be, uh, in her opinion. All of that is great, and it does work on that level. I just still want more in-story, in the main story, outside of the fourth wall break. I still want more resolution there. I just don't like that the episode is over at the conclusion of that. I want her to go back into the story and finish it the right way, as opposed to go back into the story and it's over because I've said my piece to Kevin. Yeah, this is where I I I would say is I I maybe I gloss over this because and and help me out here. Did they say anything about the Hulk blood after they went back? They they no, they it's retconned over. The, no, she it gets taken away. So when she talks to Kevin, they just they remove the they remove the Hulk blood plot line. They remove the fact that Todd's a Hulk and and all of that stuff. But it, it so does, the blood still. But the blood's still out there, though. Well, that we don't necessarily. I mean, I think she just killed See, that that's plot. The, that's the. Th- it's. I guess it's not super clear, but they did. They killed that plot line. It's basically her saying we never really should have been doing this. Because I think that's why she's saying it's suspiciously like mm. Super Soldier Serum. Like we're just killing this plot line. But I'm like, that plot line wasn't just part of the finale. That was part of something for a number of the episodes in the nine episodes of the series. And that was where I had some problems with it. Is that's where the wrap up felt so fast and so artificial to me is like now you're just you're not just erasing bad things that happen in the finale or what you see as bad things in the finale you're just removing plot lines that you installed you know it's not like we were you know this wasn't a mephisto situation where we were making stuff up this was a situation where they went i mean now who was behind all of it can of beer is mephisto well yeah like who was behind all of it okay yeah there's a little bit of mephisto there with dr samuel stern's the leader whatever but as far as the actual plot line of people wanting her blood and wanting to do bad things with it, that was a part of several of these episodes. So it is kind of weird to just be like, 
we're removing that entirely, and now it's a thing that is of uh, it, it is of no consequence because that's never really what the story was about. Again, I I understand that argument, and there are a lot of things about it that I I like and could agree with, but I'm also like, but it is part of the story, and like any other part of the story, like it should get some resolution as opposed to it's just wiped off the board. But even if we say like throw out the Hulk blood of it all, okay, fine, whatever, but even like just ending it right there and saying, okay, Todd, you're going to get sued. Oh, hi, Daredevil, whatever. Like it just, it, it should have been more than that. Like I want to see Jennifer Walters having a moment back in the story. Like now that she's taken control, she said exactly what her story should not be. Now let her go back into it and let's actually see something play out. And I don't even know, as a, ideally, that's a whole other episode of the show, just because, hey, I would love an extra episode of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. I love this series. But even if it was just an extra 10 minutes of getting back into the story, going back into uh, the lodge or, or whatever the hell and saying and having moments in there that's not the out-of-control mess uh, that, that caused her to leave her own episode for a little bit, I, I I don't even know exactly what it needed to be, but I, I wanted that in-story resolution where Jennifer Walters fights for, not necessarily literal fisticuffs, but fights for her ability to be and, and live happily, successfully as Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk. And I don't really think we got, I don't totally think we got that. Like I, that moment just didn't sink in for me anywhere, whether it was during the fourth wall break or after it, and it should have been there somewhere. So if it's if the story's not going to continue after the fourth wall break, then I don't just want her to say the stakes for me are my life fell apart. Give her that line. Give her a line somewhere in that argument with Kevin of like, you know, not the stakes are my life fell apart. The stakes are I've learned to and I like to be both of these people and still be me as one person, as a fully realized individual, as Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk. And I'm happy and I'm good with that. That's something that I, I wish they had kind of gone with. Uh, in this episode to make that emotional resolution for here uh, for her for her for Jen Walters, I wish they had really um, they had really driven that home because I don't feel like they totally did. Yeah, and, and that is probably something I I we're all going to interpret that differently, even even for me because I I took that as oh they just took that out and they just they ended it as. He gets arrested. He's the one who did it, but the Hulk blood's still there. That's why I, I again. I only saw the episode once, unfortunately. But yeah, well, I mean, Josh got it for him, and so like, there's no, and he is Todd is all of intelligentsia. So um, I just I don't know if I yeah, I, you're probably right. Well, it's look, not, it's it's an easy thread. If they want to pull it again somewhere else, it's easy. Josh got Hulk blood. Okay, did he give all of it to Todd? No, he sold it to somebody else. Because Josh, with his entrepreneurial spirit, uh, was able to go out and sell some of that Hulk blood to the power broker or whoever the hell else. Uh, and that is how in the Hulk or Dr. Samuel Stearns, whatever, there's plenty of other interested parties. So, you know, if, if Josh had a little bit of sense and was in it for his own financial interest, then sure. Yeah, he would have had a pretty good uh you know, just because he got some of that blood doesn't mean he had to give it all to Todd. So yes, it, if the yeah. She-Hulk blood is still out there as a plot line to lead us to other Hulk-like characters and stuff, that's totally fine. But now, as we see at the very end of this episode, there is a whole other Hulk that you can bring into to include, uh, to, to just add more and more Hulks to the MCU. Uh, we have, well, let's get into it, man. I've got a lot to say about this one. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is, look... 
and I kind of did too because like it, it's the daredevil drop in. And I liked it. The, I thought it was cute. No, it it was cute, but it's also like here we are doing the thing that we just said was that we shouldn't be doing, right? But even Jen kind of acknowledged that, right? Like Jen's like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of want to see Girl's Daredevil. Got needs. Yeah, yeah, woman's got needs. And also like, yeah, she smashes all these things, including occasionally Matt Murdock. Like all of that was really funny. And and it was oh, great. It was perfect. And, okay. you know, and, and so I'm I'm fine with it. Oh. The, the like the family dinner scene, though, was so weird. Like it honestly, like all you have to oh. do is throw Coronas on the table and it's coming from the Fast and the Furious. Like it, <laughs> it, it was crazy to me the way... The way they did that, but like that—that that was it. That's the only thing that w- that was missing from it. Um, although that and like you know, say that Hulk picked up Groot in space and he also learned to say the word family, and then we've totally got Fast and Furious. Uh, like that would have been uh, that would have been funny, but it was cool. Like in the whole like the family giving Matt Murdock the third degree, and and you know the dad already talking about grandkids and saying this is where every conversation is going to go. I do like the implication, though, that even though Matt insists he's only visiting for a week, I, I do like the implication here that Matt Murdock and Jennifer Walters, like, that's going to be a thing in the MCU, um, which means that uh, probably Daredevil again if we get a second season of She-Hulk, which I think we will, and uh, certainly appearances by Jennifer Walters in Daredevil Born Again, uh, I think we can probably uh, probably count on that. But then, yeah, the other reveal that's just tacked on, that we just throw it in here, is uh is yeah where was hulk, what was hulk doing in sakar why were they trying to summon him in the first place all of those things oh well uh he's got a son scar and uh which yeah scar son of hulk that's right there from marvel comic books it's it's part of it but it is the episode doing the thing again that it said it shouldn't do so while the daredevil thing is a little more forgivable i don't know i i but i I kind of like it in the sense that, okay, if the show is going to call itself out or call out the MCU for some of its tropes, well, the show is also at the very end here calling itself out of like, yeah, we still kind of do some of this stuff because sometimes it's just fun. And that is what the scar reveal is supposed to be. But yeah, like that reveal probably should mean more and and get a chance to have more weight and be more exciting than just something that gets thrown onto uh, the family dinner. So that that's where, um, and also Scar doesn't look super great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the Scar reveal was certainly not all that it it could have been. Yeah. Um, when I said I had one major problem with this episode, this is it. The, I, not the dinner scene itself, or whatever. I thought that was really cute. Um, and, and whatever. I I don't think long term She Hulk and Matt are gonna date. It's it's. I like that. I like the idea of them being together for a little bit. Like, you know, I think it's really fun, but I, I don't know about obviously long-term, but cause that's a whole different subplot of Daredevil. That is a, yeah, but he's, he, he likes to, he likes to get around out there. That's, that's, that's just kind of Matt's thing. Anyway. Um, the, when it, when all of a sudden Hulk shows up and I see this little guy next to him and I'm like, Ooh. I'm like, when did Clay Matthews come in as, as a whole character? <laughs> That's what he looks like, Sean. That's, that's, he looks like you're Clay not, Matthews. You, you're not wrong. Every time I looked at him, I'm like, I can, I only see a weird shaved top of his head, Clay Matthews. I'm like, when did Clay Matthews join the MCU? And this is my son, Scar. I was like, no effing way. And listen, I'm not. I'm not gonna try to pretend that like I'm some mega Scar super fan. 
I like the character. I own a majority of his appearances. Uh, I think I do anyway. He kind of dropped off there for a bit. Um, I, I think, did he die? I don't remember. Um, the thing is, I, the Scar character is always was a little bit of a, a it's a little ridiculous to be honest. I, I'm going to say that right now. It's a little ridiculous. I loved what Greg Pak was doing with Planet Hulk, World War Hulk, Fall of Hulks. It's all really fun. Like those, those are all really fun things, and they're incorporating all those ideas, and and especially with the whole legacy heroes that we're getting in this new phase. Um, I'll be honest, Sean. Uh, one, I thought he looked terrible. I was, I, I. Yeah, no, it didn't look great. It was awful. I'm not even talking about it looked like Clay Matthews. I'm talking about the, everything. The design of this character looked nothing like the, what I liked remotely of the original Scar character. And I'm, again, it doesn't have to be one for one. But the fact, like, he's just a little guy. He's got no hair. Like, he has long, dark hair. At least give him that, for God's sake. Yeah, I, mean, I don't on. know. Like, I, I don't even feel like with the way this, in, with the, the given the nature of this show, right, and the fact that right. it literally just erased things that were part of itself, right? Right. It would not surprise me if, like, this just doesn't go literally anywhere. Like, that... This, this, for all I know, this is going to be Scar's one and only appearance in the MCU, and they just act like it never happened because this show has the luxury of being able to do that, and anything that came from this show has the luxury of of having that be a part of it. And while I don't expect the Matt Murdock, uh, Jen, Matt Murdock, Jennifer Walters romance uh, to be erased, it doesn't mean it's going to last forever. Um, but yeah, as far as Scar is concerned, I think this was intentionally a throwaway bit. I, I really don't think it had anything to do with setting up a, a larger thing in the MCU. I could be totally wrong, but I think Scar was kind of supposed to look bad. I think Scar was kind of supposed to look like not amazing, like not necessarily come across as, holy crap, Hulk has a son and I need to see what happens next in the next movie or series or whatever the hell. It didn't really read that way to me. It was like, we are being intentionally very, very, very silly right now. Um, and that's all that this is. It doesn't mean they can't do something bigger and more serious and more satisfying with it. Right. But this may be something that lives and dies right here in this moment. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think I it just was so out of nowhere and I was a little bummed out because I feel like there's a great story there, but maybe because of the universal things, they can't do that I, because of the, it's not going to be a film. I don't know, but either way, I really hope we do get some kind of uh, actual like going down a serious take, a somewhat serious take. I mean, come on, Hulk getting his like adult looking son, uh, you know, from from Sakaar. I mean, let's. Yeah, I, I want to see that story fleshed out a little bit more and not in She-Hulk, but actually like an actual Hulk movie potentially or Hulk series. Um, but yeah, I I definitely think that's the way it will probably go with it. And, I, and they do. They can maybe acknowledge the ridiculousness of how bad he looks. Um, sorry, I just I don't like to bash designs usually too much, If I, but I can't. I can't. I, I don't know how this gets passed. I, I don't know. I don't get it. So, yeah, hopefully this gets erased soon. And and, and the whole Scar storyline is interesting. I, I do think it's an interesting take, and I hope people do definitely will, will watch it or they, or that people that the, the MCU will actually present it at some point. So, but yeah, this was the worst part. Get that Clay Matthews looking Hulk out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the last thing that we get, well, we get Jennifer Walters back in court and. 
and we see the, the struggle, right? Because the reporter is talking about her being a legal diva and all this stuff that she can just roll her eyes at because also asking her what she's wearing as she goes into court. But yes, she intends to uh, sue Todd, Intelligentsia, hold them accountable and such. And that uh, is the end of our show, except we get a tag. And after everything that happened here, you know, speaking of that Hulk blood, I was like, okay, so are we going to find out that there's, is it really just Todd behind Intelligentsia or are we going to get a mid or post credit scene? That suggests otherwise, that points us in the direction of the next thing that's going to happen in this plot line, or whatever the case may be. Um, No, we do not get that. It is purely for fun, because, hey, as She-Hulk has even said, you know, bet there's a fun tag. That's what we get in this one. So Blonsky, because he became Abomination again, even if it was purely for profit, that's a violation of of his parole. He has to go back to prison for 10 years, but he's willing to do that because he knows he's got an escape plan, that being Wong who uh, Sling rings him out of uh, out of prison and back into Camartage. Um, my only knock on this tag, Paul, is uh, where was Madison? Madison should have been there yeah, binge watching right? with Wong. And I know you got to pay her to be there that day. Pay the money. Bring, uh, bring Madison into that moment. She should have been the one. Like That's the perfect reason for Wong to be late, by the way, is that he was binge watching and you know drinking yak milk or whatever the hell he was doing with Madison. And or vodka and yak milk or whatever drink he was talking about several weeks ago, that would have been uh, uh, that really would have added to the tag. And also just, you know, Madison and Blonsky would have been a fun interaction to see. So um, I like the tag. It was fun, but it could have been even more fun if it had uh, if Madison returned. Yeah, no, I, I, I was actually expecting and Madison. And then after the credits, it really should have said, like, Wong and Madison will return. Like, no, it normally I, does at I, the end of MCU things. That's what I thought. I thought Madison, I kept thinking Madison, Madison was going to pop up, but no. So that was that was a bummer. Huge that missed was, opportunity. I agree. I agree with that. Just massive. Uh, but overall, uh, as far as where things, you know, wrap up for this series, again, I... I'm sure I sounded pretty negative on a lot of this, uh, some with the criticisms I had of this finale. I, I really, really did enjoy this. As I said, as an individual episode, I love so many of the things that this was doing, and I will continue to love those things. Like this fourth wall break, it is amazing for all the reasons that everybody says that it's amazing. I also just wanted more from it. as So as an individual episode, I love it. As a finale, I wanted more to it coming back from the fourth wall break, whether that was a little extra, a little more of this episode or an entirely separate episode to come after this. But I, I still can't argue with a lot of the great things that this episode was doing within that fourth wall break with the meta commentary and almost kind of serving as a mission statement for the MCU going forward. And I feel like the MCU has already taken a lot of its own advice that's given in this episode uh, with some of the things that they've done, as I pointed out before, the Loki finale being a, a pretty strong recent example, but I, I love this as kind of that it's it's fun, it's silly, um, it does a lot of great things for maybe not all of the resolution that I wanted for Jennifer Walters, but it does give her agency in a way that we just haven't seen uh, in any of these stories that we just couldn't see with any other character, and on, on all of those levels, uh, I really, really loved it, and then just really finishing up by talking about the overall series even if the finale in some ways feels uh, incomplete to me, this series is still just so great and, and so special. I where I rank th- where I rank it in the pantheon of Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, I have no idea. I don't think it's threatening WandaVision for me, but also at the same time, like I, I don't really make a I intentionally make a habit of not ranking these things as soon as we 
uh, initially see them or our first run through. So uh, I'll be giving it a little bit of time and then doing a revisiting She-Hulk and, and see where it rank. I don't really do rankings anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I just know overall, I really liked it. I think it was strong. I, I do think if we go back and I look over the course of the nine episodes, there wasn't really an episode this season where I felt like it had gone not so much off the rails, where the quality dipped as significantly as maybe we saw in an episode of, of Moon Knight or maybe, what was it, like the fifth episode of Miss Marvel earlier this year. I would say just amongst the group that we've seen this year, episode by episode, this was the most consistent in terms of the quality, the storytelling, uh, and, and everything else. And that's actually not to knock those other shows. I love Moon Knight. Um, not Maybe not quite as much as this one, but I really liked a lot of Moon Knight. I loved Miss Marvel. You can go back and listen to those spoiler reviews. I, I stand by everything I said in all of those spoiler reviews. Um, but it's just been a very... It may not have the standout that was WandaVision in, because uh, this actually also is, this is the end of our Marvel Studios Disney Plus series for the year. We are going to have the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, but as far as an entire series, this is it for 2022. And it may not have a, a WandaVision like we had in 2021, um, but I would still say uh, across the board, it's been a, a really good year for the Marvel Studios Disney Plus series uh, with, with She-Hulk kind of being the, you know, leading the way at the very end and, and bringing it home with uh, a really spectacular nine episodes and and a finale that did a lot of great things that I absolutely loved, even if there was, uh, you know, my biggest criticism is that I just wanted more of it. So that that really can't be all that bad. I, I think this series is, is fantastic. I love this episode, despite a few misgivings here and there at the end. But yeah, I think this is easily the most rewatchable for me. It doesn't make it the best, but it makes, I think there's some, but being rewatchable is a really important thing when you're a TV show, you know, for anything on, on screens. Right. So it doesn't have to be the most high quality of art, you know, and, and, and I just think that this series will have, has done so much, um, in universe building, I think creative building of story-wise structure, uh, that you could do with the MCU that I think will, people look back as like a very, important piece for comic books uh or i say excuse me superhero storytelling to be honest and uh you know i think you can take the you don't have to take things seriously and still and still love them like i do and i think shield represents that you don't have to take superheroes seriously seriously all the time you can have fun with it and poke fun at yourself and not just be mean to it which i think a lot of times when you do something like that sean that's the tendency, right? That's it's a tendency just to go overboard and be like, look how dumb this is. Look how silly and, and ridiculous and, and and just be mean spirited. Obviously, you're not gonna be mean spirited about yourself, but it does it in a way it pokes fun within the MCU and, and of itself enough to where you laugh and can acknowledge and and still again not take yourself too seriously. And I love that about the show. It really did a fine line of that and got serious when it needed to. And I thought it was really well done. Uh, I'll be honest, all of the rumors before I, I was maybe nervous a little bit and, you know, I, I, am glad that I, I was, I came in kind of not low expectations, but didn't know what to expect. And I was blown away how entertaining it was. I can't wait for a season two. There better be a season two. And I hope we do see more She-Hulk in the MCU. I, I know we will, but I want to actually have her in like, and I hope we get an Avengers team soon with her in it, which I know she'll be in. in. But then also I want to see Hulk show up in, in their own films. And I, and again, like armor wars, which was, you know, was going to be turned into a movie. 
let's get Hulk. Let's get Planet Hulk. Let's get World War Hulk. Let's get Fall of Hulk. Whatever that Hulk movie is going to be. Let's get a movie saying, make this CGI look awesome, which I got to tell you, too, I like CGI. I thought overall the CGI did not bother me at all this, this season. So, yeah, I'm uh, give me more Hulks. Yeah, more Hulks. Always, always a good thing, generally speaking. Um, even if, you know, maybe some mixed results with Scar Matthews, uh, we'll have to see what, uh, what, Scar what, <laughs> what goes on there. <laughs> but yeah. Overall high marks for She-Hulk attorney at law. So congrats and thank you to everyone who had anything to do, uh, with the making of this series. Your work is very much appreciated and uh, we appreciate you, our dear listeners for sticking with us through this spoiler review and eight others for She-Hulk attorney at law amongst the other things we do here on the podcast, remember to check out Fan Show Plus at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. Search for MCU fan, the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus, and you can find it there and subscribe so you can hear us talk about even more MCU topics than what you already get here on MCU Fan Show. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. Paul, where can they find Or no, that's my that's me on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us, follow the show and us on Twitter and Instagram at MCU Fan Show. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please follow my comic, uh, comic book YouTube channel, The Comic Binge. Uh, we just did a recent uh, uh, binge kind of required. You know, if you're getting into Black Adam, which is coming out next week, uh, we gave you some comic books to read for that. Or I should say Chris did because I did not read any of those but yet. Yeah, not to say I wasn't going to, but I'm going to. But he, he listed off like a crap load of stuff to go go read, and it was a lot of fun. And go check that episode out. And again, get you get either for get pumped for the show, or after you watch the movie, you can go listen to it and get some great ideas for comics. And Chris did a, an awesome job. So yeah, check that out. And once again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.